in to mother the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Maiden to Mother journey. I am your podcast host, Kendall, and today we are speaking with Ellie. Ellie, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you live, and who's in your family? Yeah, definitely. I'm Ali. I'm 32 and live on the Gold Coast. And I have a 17-month-old little boy, Oakley. So we're going to talk about your journey from maiden to mother with Oakley today. Can you tell us about your conception or family planning with him? Yeah, definitely. So Oakley was definitely a planned pregnancy. Um, My husband and I, who we are no longer together, um, got married back in October of 2020. Um, And after our wedding, I decided to come off the pill because we decided we wanted to start trying for a baby. And I had been on the pill for 10 years. So I thought um, falling pregnant might not happen straight away since I had been on conception for so long. Mm. Um, So I came off the pill and started to track my ovulation pretty much straight away. Um, And I also decided to go and see my doctor and just have a few health checks just to make sure everything did look good. Um, So I knew straight up there might be complications. Um, I found out in November of 2020 that I had low ovarian reserve, which is your AMH levels. Um, Mm -hmm. And that because they were so low, I potentially could struggle to fall pregnant depending how good my eggs were. Um, So I decided with my doctor to book in to see a fertility doctor. Um, at Grace Private, I booked in to see Tanya Widmer and I couldn't get into her until March of 2021. Um, So my husband and I decided that we would just kind of start trying but not really because I didn't think it was going going to happen for me. Um, But obviously I was off the pill so we'll just sort of going with it and I was tracking my ovulation but I never really knew when I ovulated, I wasn't very good at reading my body signs back then. Mm. Um, So I was very naive on how everything was kind of working and all that sort of stuff. Um, I actually thought I had endometriosis because I was getting really bad stomach pains. I now know that those stomach pains are when I am ovulating. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, so... It's funny, I put in my head the worst case scenario, but now that I have have tracked my ovulation, I know exactly when I'm ovulating and I do get those little pains in one side of ovaries. Um, so that's what was happening back then too that I was obviously unaware of. Um, and then while we were waiting for our fertility appointment in March of 2021, I actually fell pregnant in February 2021. So got married in October 2020 and fell pregnant in February. So obviously it wasn't that long. Um, 
of a weight really considering we'd only just started trying so yeah, so was it a bit of a like it was obviously a bit of a shock um yes or not really no yeah I think because we were trying I definitely was hoping like every month I was like maybe it will be this month um but then at the same time, because we had tried December and January and nothing could happen, I was like, okay, maybe I, I am going to need that help. Um, and it was actually funny because the weekend I found out I was pregnant, it was my 30th birthday weekend. Yeah. And I had actually gone out. Daniel and I got a, um apartment in Broadbeach for my, for my 30th. And we had quite a big night with some friends um, went to Pink Flamingo, had quite a few cocktails and then the Monday I actually took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant. <laughs> it's just, it's just the same story. Like you've got to have a drunken weekend before yeah. you find out. Like everyone's got a story about it. <laughs> I was so convinced. I was like, no, I'm going to need like a bit of help to fall pregnant. And I was due to get my period that weekend and before we checked in, we went and got pregnancy tests and I was like, look, just to be safe, I don't want to drink this weekend if I am and my period hasn't come yet, so maybe there's a chance. And I peed on the stick and it was negative as anything. I was like, okay, no, obviously my period's just going to come a day or two late. It's mm. going to let me enjoy my birthday weekend without having my period. Mm. <laughs> and then the Monday when it still hadn't come and I normally get really bad period cramps and back pain and I hadn't had any of that and I was like, oh, this is weird. And I still had one test left. I was like, oh, look, I'll just use it just to sort of, you know, like whatever. Um, and I actually woke up the Monday with a really bad head cold, um, which I had read on Dr. Google that <laughs> sometimes that's a sign of early pregnancy. So, of course, I had in my head, oh, maybe this is it. And, yeah, sure enough, I got my, it was a digital pregnancy test and it said two to three weeks and I was just in complete shock. Um, I always planned, obviously, telling Daniel, my husband at the time, that, um, you know, I was going to plan this beautiful surprise and hide it and he'd come home, but I was just mm. so <laughs> over the moon and just in shock that I just ran into the bedroom with it and I was like, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always um, I, I see those sort of videos on, like that on social media and I'm like, how did they wait that long? I called oh. Darren the second I found out. I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would have loved to have at least just recorded it, but yeah, yeah I was just too in the moment. <laughs> so how was your pregnancy then with Oakley? Um, it was actually, I did have a really good pregnancy. Um, I did have a little bit of bleeding around the 10 to 14 weeks. Um, so I went into the hospital because I was obviously worried and had in my head, oh, my God, I'm miscarrying. Um, and I was told that I had a hematoma, um, which they didn't really explain to me what it meant or if it was something I should be concerned about. The fact that they sent me away, I was like, okay, it mustn't be too bad because they wouldn't send me away if they were worried. Um, however, the bleeding continued for a few weeks. So then my obstetrician recommended that I go on to progesterone tablets which I had to insert every night vaginally. Um, 
till about 20 weeks because um, sometimes if those levels are low then it can cause you to bleed mm. um, so I went on them till about 20 weeks just to be safe and that helped with the bleeding the bleeding stopped once I started taking them um, but otherwise I didn't really get any pregnancy sickness like I was yeah very lucky <laughs> that's amazing and you mentioned just before you had an OB so could you tell us about the model of care that you chose um like f throughout your pregnancy and for your birth yeah so since we had the fertility appointment booked in for March I decided to still go to that appointment um and meet with Tanya Widmer at Grace Private at Gold Coast Private Hospital um just to sort of see if there was something I needed to do after um, I had Oakley, you know, if I needed to look at potentially freezing eggs, if I wanted more children down the track um, and all that kind of thing. But she sort of said, look, let's not worry about that at the moment. You've fallen pregnant, so you've obviously got good quality eggs. Mm. Um, and then she, we kind of just clicked and gelled. So I decided that's who I was going to use for my obstetrician. Um, and she was just beautiful, Tanya. Um, and I'm really happy that I went with private because I didn't exactly have the easiest of births. Um, so yeah, she was just my rock. And I think being a first time pregnant, it was just nice to have that little bit of extra support whenever with the bleeding. Um, and then I had later on a little bit reduced movements. Whether or not it was actually reduced movements or more just in my head, <laughs> mm. um, I'm not too sure. But the private hospital, they were like, anything you need, you come in, we'll monitor you, we'll do this, we'll do that. So it just kind of helped put my mind at ease. Um, That's amazing. I was very anxious throughout the pregnancy, obviously thinking the worst thing possible. Mm. Um, however, I was two months short of being covered for pregnancy with my private health. Um, so I was completely out of pocket for that expense as well. Oh, wow. We'll cover the expenses yeah. towards the end of the episode. <laughs> we'll go through them for sure. And before we get to your birth story, can you tell us a bit about what you did to prepare for birth? Yeah, so um, quite early on, once I started having that bleeding around 10 to 14 weeks, I started doing acupuncture. Um, I started off doing it weekly, and then once the bleeding settled down, I kept going fortnightly. Um, just found it was a really relaxing thing to do as well. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, I went in there for an hour and just completely zoned out, and it was, yeah, just beautiful um to get something done and just help with that and then i also did a hypnobirthing class yes we were um, in the same class yes we were <laughs> um so that was an eye-opener <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean i had a bit of an idea i think yeah it was very eye-opening for my husband um and even me, some of the things we learned, I was just like, oh, okay, well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was really good. It just, yeah, gave me tools that I don't know if I actually use once I went into life. <laughs> but I had every intention to. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we'll move on to your birth story then. I believe you were induced or did you go into labour? Yes, yeah, so at 38 weeks, I went in for an obstetrician appointment and they asked if I wanted to have a stretch and sweep, which I said yes, because mum, by that stage, I was just so over being pregnant. I felt disgusting. I was getting really bad heartburn. I spent my nights bouncing on the ball just in tears. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, and mum had told me she had a stretch and sweep with me and a few hours later went into labour. So when I went in and the, my obstetrician was like, look, we can do a stretch and sweep, you know, you're 38 weeks, it might just help. And I was like, yep, you know what, let's do it. Um completely against what we learnt in hypnobirthing. <laughs> um, and it hurt <laughs> a lot, but it also gave me a bit of false hope because they did the stretch and sweep and they're like, oh, my God, you're already five centimetres dilated. Wow. I was, like, I was like, what? I was like, how can I be five centimetres dilated and not in labour? <laughs> yeah, I was like breathing and really elaborate five centimeters dilated yeah i just couldn't believe it um so they were like oh you're gonna be in this weekend because that was a friday i got it done and they're like oh this baby's coming this weekend so i wish they hadn't said that to me because in my head i was like yes like this is the weekend like this baby's coming i went home made sure i had everything ready to go and then it got to sunday night and nothing mm. and I just felt so deflated um and then I had another checkup at 38 weeks and five days and um my obstetrician was like look we can do another stretch and sweep if you want and I was like yeah okay let's do it um so we did another one and this time it didn't hurt as much um they still said I was about five centimetres dilated and then my obstetrician was like, look, if you want, we're happy for you to come in tomorrow and we can break your waters and see if that sort of gets anything going. So I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So I got really excited. I went home that night, had a really relaxing night, didn't sleep at all because I knew that the next day, you know, it was going to happen mm. um and then we went in to the hospital it was a tuesday the 2nd of november melbourne cup day it was um and went to the hospital at 6 a.m got all checked in tanya my obstetrician came and met me in the birthing suite broke my waters didn't feel a thing um, except as soon as I stood out the gush, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, if you want, like, the best thing you can do is move. She's like, why don't you go for a walk down to the coffee shop? And I was like, I cannot go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just started doing laps around the birthing suite. I set up the diffuser. I had the lights was playing my music just really got in the zone she's like I'll come back and check on you in two hours and we'll go from there 
And then two hours passed and she came back. She's like, how are you feeling? I said, I feel nothing. (laughs) And she's like, okay, well, we're going to have to put you on the oxytocin drip. And I was like, oh, bugger. I really, really wanted to avoid that because I had heard that it brings everything on very hard and fast, Mm. um, which is what I didn't want to happen. Um, But I was like, okay, all right. And so we got all that hooked up and within, I reckon, 45 minutes, the contractions were coming just non-stop it was just one after the other and I was just like oh my goodness like what have I done why didn't I just let my body do this naturally and I was just in like massive regret by then I was like oh my god like I can't do this like how long is it going to take and I was like I'm already five centimeters surely it can't take that much longer um and then my midwife came in she's like do you want to try some gas? And I was like, no, I don't really want to try some gas. She's like, what about morphine? And I was like, yeah, okay. So they gave me a shot of morphine in the leg, um, which kind of relaxed me a little bit. Um, That probably lasted like an hour where the contractions didn't feel as full on. And then that wore off. And she's like, why don't we try the gas? And I tried the gas and that just, I don't think I was doing it properly. I had no idea what I was doing with the gas. Mm. I was like, this is not working. Like, get this thing away from me. It's actually like, it actually is a little bit hard to use the gas. It is so hard. I just was not understanding. She, the midwife, God bless her, was trying so hard <laughs> to get me to work it out. And I was like, take this thing away from me. It is not working. Mm. Like, it's making me feel sick. Like, nah. She's like, all right, why don't we hop in the shower? I was like, okay, we'll hop in the shower. So jumped in the shower and that was just the best thing ever. I don't know what it is about water. Yeah. But it was amazing. And I was in there, I reckon, for about two and a half hours. Did you still have the drip attached to you? Yes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, had that attached with the little monitoring belt um but I was just yeah I was in there I was in my zone and then the poor midwife god bless her came in to check how I was going and once I got a contraction I like crouched down and she checked she's like oh my god like I said to Daniel my husband she's like I can see I can see the head and I was like fuck yes like it's it's happening (laughs) he's coming Fuck yes (laughs) it's almost over um, and she's like, oh, she's like, you're having a cold shower. I had it just cold. Normally everyone has apparently hot or warm showers. It, mine was like just cold. No well, hot water. Well, whatever you need to do. I was sweating. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I've never felt someone have a cold shower before. I was like, yep, sorry. I'm like, <laughs> This is what tell me get through it. Daniel's standing there in his clothes, absolutely drenched from head to toe, probably freezing, but I was just like, I'm not even fussed about you, right? <laughs> um, and then after about two and a half hours, I just, I didn't feel like anything was happening. I think obviously 
the head was sort of, it might have been coming down and then just going straight back up as soon as I stood up. But my legs just, because I would get into like a real like squat position every time a contraction came. Um, and then as soon as the contraction was over, I would stand up and just start like swaying or rocking. Um, and just nothing was happening. And then conveniently, Daniel said at about 2 o'clock, why don't we go back to the bed and see how, like, you you go, like, on the ball or something. He wanted me out of the shower so he could watch the Melbourne Cup race. <laughs> <laughs> At the time I didn't realise it, but it was just so conveniently. As soon as we got to the bed, the horses were racing on the TV. I was like, oh, this makes sense now. But I was just exhausted. As soon as I got out of that shower, Daniel and the midwife had to carry me to the bed because I just... I had nothing left in the tank. Like, I was done. Um, and I think hopping out of the shower is probably the worst thing I could have done because as soon as I hopped out of the showers, it's like the contraction just, just ramped up a whole new notch. Mm. And I was just like, nah. I was like, I'm done. I said, I, give me the epidural. Like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. And it was funny because when we were on our way up to the maternity wall when we were going to check in daniel was like all right i know you want to try and go without the epidural so what's your code word like if it gets to the point where you're like nah i need the epidural he's like should we make it like um what's that mary poppin saying that really long one Oh, supercolor, fragilistic, oh, fragilist, yeah. yellow, docious. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to have time to bloody speak. <laughs> the worst like, code word I've ever heard. Literally. And I think it was because he knew how much I didn't want to have the epidural. He knew I wouldn't be able to spit it out. Yeah. I was like, if I say I want the epidural, give me the epidural. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, I got to the bed and I was like, no, nah, I need the epidural. And I, they, she, my midwife was like, why don't I check you and we'll see, like, where you're at. I was like, okay. So I hopped on the bed and they checked me and I was eight centimetres dilated. And I was like, I've got, like, I've just, I had nothing then. Like, the contractions were coming and I was just getting in the, like, weirdest positions. Like, I would have, like, looked like a gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just thought my back was going to break. Like, it, oh, I still remember like so vividly those that feeling and the positions I was getting my body into. Um, and Did they turn of, the Pitocin down at all or like try to fiddle it around with it for you? I think they turned it down a little bit, but my contractions, they were just literally coming one after the other. And that's what the midwife was saying. Cause I remember they did actually turn it down. She's like, this should help like ease the contractions off. But She's like, oh my god, you just finished one, and now another one's building. And mm. I was like, I was like, she's like, look, she's like, do you want the epidural? I was like, yeah. Like, and, and Daniel looked at me. He's like, are you sure? I was like, I can't take any more. Like, I, I'm done. Um. So then they organised me to get the epidural, and the anaesthetist came in like I reckon it wasn't even five minutes next like I asked for it in the next minute he's there ready to give it to me and I remember him saying like you need to get her to stay still otherwise I'm not going to be able to do this <laughs> and I was like these contractions need to stop because I can't stay still once they start um 
anyway, he eventually got the epidural in and I think by this stage it was about 3 p.m. And literally as soon as the epidural hit, oh, my God, <laughs> I could not feel a thing. It was the best thing ever. I called mum. Mum got all excited. She's like, oh, my God, is he here? I'm like, nah, I've just had the epidural. I'm just sitting <laughs> having some lunch. We're just watching the last of the races. <laughs> Mum's like, are you kidding? I was like, yeah, like I couldn't take any more. <laughs> That's exactly um, what you needed at that time. Oh, I did. And the midwife was like, look, try and have some rest because we're just going to leave you for a little bit. Um, and my obstetrician came up and checked at me at that point as well. She's like, look rest for two hours and I'll come back up in two hours and we'll see how you are and we'll start the pushing if you're ready to go. I was like, okay. Um, but I, I couldn't rest. Like I, the last thing I felt like doing was sleeping, but I just sat there. I think I ate a ham and cheese sandwich, which just tasted like heaven. Mm. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Um, we watched the rest of the races. We we're just talking, just very chill. And then the midwife came in, checked on me. She's like, "Are you feeling those contractions?" I said, "I'm not feeling a thing. <laughs> like, I can't feel anything." Um, and she's like, "Okay." She's like, "Cause they're still coming, like one after the other." I'm like, "Oh, well, that's good because I can't feel." <laughs> And then at about 5 p.m., my obstetrician came back up, checked on me. Everything was good to go. Um, so we started pushing at 5 o'clock. And it took me a while to really understand how to push because I couldn't feel anything. Mm. Um, yeah, Tanya really had to talk me through how to push. And I was just like, I do not understand what you were saying saying right now um but we got there in the end and every time a contraction came Tanya was down there and then I had my midwives Amanda and Taylor who were just absolutely gorgeous girls like I just have like the uttermost love for them um and they were helping put my legs in all these positions to get me the best way to push and we push yeah for two hours and then right at the end um Oakley's heart rate dropped for a little bit um so Tanya was a bit worried and said that there was talk of potentially using the vacuum to help because he kept his head kept coming down and then as soon as the contraction went away it would just go back in mm. Um, so she's like, we might have to get the vacuum so we can hold on to it so then when the next contraction comes, we can really give it a pull. Um, but then it, he slowly started to come down further and further towards the end each time and his heart rate went back to normal, so then that no longer was a concern. Um, so we kept the pushing going and then she's like, all right, like his head's right there, do you want to touch it? And I was like, oh, no. No. She's like, just touch it. And she grabbed my head and I, I felt it and it was like, ooh, like, that's gross. Um, and then Daniel went down and had a look, which we had discussed he wasn't going to do. But at that point, 
I didn't care. I was like, oh, whatever, yeah. everyone's bloody seen my hoo-ha now. <laughs> um, and then they turned the epidural down a little bit. I don't know what that, what my epidural was, but they had like, it was sort of like the drip and they could turn it up and down. So she turned the epidural down a little bit so I could actually feel the crowning, mm. um, which hurt so much. Um, I don't know how people do it without epidurals because I wouldn't have even felt it in full force. Mm. Um, and then the contraction stopped, but his head was kind of midway out. So I had to wait for the next contraction to start up. And that just felt like it took forever. I was like, oh my God, like pull his head now. Like, <laughs> like get, um, get out of me. Literally. And then his head was out and then she worried on the next push it was obviously going to be the rest of his body but she worried that he was going to have shoulder dislocation um i'm not too sure why she thought that i don't know if it was how he was kind of positioned um but she did mention something i remember her vaguely mentioning like there is a chance he's gonna have shoulder dislocation here and i was like oh great and she's like oh and just a heads up because he's been down in your pelvis region for so long he's got a cone head. She's mm. like, just, just you know, be prepared when I pull him out and you're going to see a cone head, but it will go down within a couple of hours. Um, so then the next contraction came, I pushed, he came out, everything was fine. He didn't have shoulder dislocation. She held him up and I put him straight onto my chest. Um, he didn't cry to start with. So they were almost going to take him to give him some oxygen, but then we kind of just sat him up and he gave him a little rub on the back and he let out his cry and everything was good. Um, and then I remember at that stage it was just obviously having my skin-to-skin -skin cuddle with him and then the midwife asked if I was happy for them to give me the... The shot. Yeah, the shot. Yes. Um, and at that stage, I was just, like, so far over everything. Again, mm. completely against everything I learned in hypnobirthing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever, like, just do it. Um, and I don't even remember that coming out. Like, I think I was on just such a high of having, like, my little boy on my chest and just loving life. I remember the first thing I actually said to my obstetrician was, did I tear? <laughs> And she said to me, she's like, I haven't had a chance to have a good look yet. Let's just birth the placenta and then we'll we'll look at everything. I'm like, okay. So then I birthed my placenta and the midwife came and she's like, do you want to see it? And I was like, mm, not really, but okay. <laughs> um, and I had a look at it, so that was interesting. And then Daniel cut the umbilical cord. Um, and then... I remember looking down at Tanya because she was obviously looking to see how everything was down there. And I remember looking at her and she looked at me and she was almost in tears. And she's like, I don't know how to tell you this. She goes, but you've got a fourth degree tear and you've torn into your sphincter muscle. Wow. So I was like, oh, okay, I know this isn't good. Like I know fourth is the worst of them all. Mm. And I was like, okay, I was like, what's that mean? She's like, well, it means you're going to have to go for surgery. Um, and if 
you know, we don't fix it, you're going to lose control of your bowel movements. Mm. I was like, oh, shit, I was like, that's not good, like, laugh than I want. Um, so then she's like, look, I'm going to go and see if the rectal doctor, because she didn't do the surgery, they actually got a proper rectal doctor to come in and do it. Um, so she's like, I'm going to go and see if he's still here and if not, call him to come in. And I was like, yeah, okay, no worries. Um, so she left the room and I just kept doing my skin to skin with Oakley. Um, the midwife weighed him at that point too because I was really eager to know what he weighed because I was expecting this big baby. Um, but he was 7.8 pounds, so 3.5 kilos. So normal size, which was good. God forbid I had had any bigger. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Did they say, like, this is a weird question, but, mm -hmm. like, with your tear, like, yes. is it bleeding heaps or, like, did they do anything to, like, stop the bleeding for now or they just sort I of leave you? I don't think it was bleeding much because she was more than happy to leave me and she didn't seem to be too concerned about that. Yeah, because obviously um, if it was they would be doing something about it. Yeah. Um, so, no, she didn't say, I obviously wasn't losing a lot of blood because that wasn't an issue. Um, and it obviously happened right at the very last minute. I'm assuming it happened when his shoulders and the rest of his body came out mm. um, rather than him end up with a shoulder dislocation. I ended up with the tear, which I would take every day of the week. Yeah. Um, because up until that point, she was saying everything looked good. She said, if I thought you were at risk of tearing like that, she goes, I would have taken you in to have a cesarean. Mm. Um, so it obviously happened on that last push. And, yeah, I think she felt very guilty because she's like, I've never seen this happen before. I was like, well, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> I was like, you'll never forget me. <laughs> <laughs> so what did they do then? They took you to surgery and left Oakley yeah, with Daniel? So, yeah, so then after I think I got about 30 to 40 minutes with Oakley, so we gave mum a quick, mum and dad a quick call, um, introduced Oakley to them and <coughs> oh, told them um, what had happened um, and that I needed to go off to surgery. And at the time my obstetrician Tanya came in, she's like, okay, we're ready to go. And I just remember them taking Oakley from my chest and all I wanted, I really didn't go in with too much of a birth plan. Like I was pretty happy to just go with the flow, whatever happened, happened. But the one thing I really wanted was that time after the birth mm. of the skin to skin and that time bonding with Oakley. And that's the one thing I, did, <laughs> I didn't get. Um, so at the time it didn't really hit me too much. I think, you know, I was obviously on the epidural, I was on an adrenaline rush. So I'm getting wheeled out of the birthing suite to go up to surgery. And Daniel's sitting there with this 40 minute year old baby. And I'm just smiling and waving. <laughs> <laughs> like, bye. Um, and I think at first I wasn't too worried because Tanya was like, it's a 30, 40 minute surgery. Like we'll have you back down to the maternity ward like as soon as we can. I was like, okay, like that, like 30, 40 minutes, that's fine. Like I, I can do that. 
And then the anaesthetist came, he's like, do you want us to put you under for the surgery? Or since you've already had the epidural, we can just top the epidural up and do a complete block. And he's like, if we put you to sleep, it just might mean you might have to spend longer in recovery before we can take you to maternity. And I was like, no, I've had the epidural, just, you know, top me up, give me the block so I can get back to my baby. Um, And then I went in for surgery and they gave me the block and I didn't feel anything. And then the 40-minute mark came around and then an hour and then an hour and a half and then two hours. I was like, oh, my God, what is taking so long? And then I think I was in surgery for close to four hours. Wow. And there was, did you know up that entire time? Pardon? They were stitching you up that entire time. Yeah. So my obstetrician, like lover to death, she didn't have to come up to the surgery with me because she obviously wasn't performing the surgery. Um, But she came and did not leave my side the entire time. Um, And... But she said the doctor who did do my surgery, she said he was so thorough in everything he was doing, like would stop any bleeding I had before he did a stitch. So I had the best chance for it to heal correctly without any complications. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as it sucked being away from my baby for that long, like I am so thankful because... I don't have any issues now um, where if it was a rush job, there's a chance I could have had issues, um, yeah. which would be horrible. Um, so, yeah, that was hard. I think because the clock was there and I was watching it, I was just like, oh, my God. And I should have used that time to sort of have a little rest or a sleep, but I was just – the adrenaline was just going through me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they finally – we're like, okay, we're all done. So they took me to recovery just to make sure I kind of was coming, like was starting to feel my legs a little bit from the block. And right at the end, just before they were finished, I said to the anaesthetist, I'm starting to feel a little bit of like pull and tug down there. So he topped me up and literally as soon as he topped me up, they were like, okay, we're done. I was like, Oh, bloody. <laughs> Where's the communication in that room? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh, whatever. But there were so many people in that room. I remember there was two anaesthetists, there was the surgeon, there was my obstetrician, and then I think there was, like, four other people, four other nurses. Like and helpers. Like, yeah. And my legs were, like, up in the spirits, like, up in there. I was like, oh, my God, really? Like, now I just have no shame. I'm like, I don't even care. Yeah, it is it's a very vulnerable position to be it in. It is a very vulnerable. I was like, I would hate to see what that looks like. Oh, they well, they see it every single they'd see it every day. So it wouldn't have but, been um, a bother. Yeah. But. The anaesthetist, he was really lovely too. He's like, is there a certain playlist you like to listen to on Spotify? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So everyone, like, I honestly cannot fault the care that I had at Gold Coast Private Hospital. Um, They were just, they went above and beyond. Um, So I went back to recovery and I remember Tanya came and saw me in recovery and said to the nurse, look, she's just had a baby. She's been in surgery for the last four hours can we get her back to maternity and I'll tell the nurses down there just to keep an eye on her. 
um, for the night. Um, so I only had to spend, I don't even think I was in recovery for 20 minutes. That's good. Um, so that was really good. So by this stage, I think it was like Oakley was born at 10 past 7. I think it was like coming close to midnight mm. um, once I got back down to maternity and I got taken into the bedroom where Daniel was with Oakley and Oakley was asleep in his little bassinet and Daniel was just laying there, looked exhausted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he was told, because I had actually, before I went in, I had been collecting colostrum, which was a godsend, thank goodness. Um, so Daniel was actually able to feed that to Oakley after I left to go to surgery because um, I took a whole heap in with me to the hospital. That's great. Yeah. Um, so the midwife had said to him, Taylor, who was in our birthing suite, was like, all right, we'll give this to Oakley and as soon as he has that, he was, he's just going to sleep the night. And Daniel's like, oh, okay, like, that's good. So he was set up in the maternity ward, gave him it, and then he said he fell asleep for about five minutes and Taylor, the midwife, left the room and then he just started screaming <laughs> apparently, like just hysterical. And I think Daniel said he did that for an hour and he called my mum and was like, I don't know what to do, Oakley's screaming. <laughs> She's like buzz the midwife, like that's what they're there for. So then he buzzed the midwife and then as soon as the midwife came in, he stopped. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, so I think Daniel had had a bit of a rough shot then too because, you know, he'd just been left with this newborn baby and his wife gone off to surgery and he'd been told, oh, she'll be back in 40 minutes and four hours later. Mm. And, um, is everything okay? Like, why isn't she back yet? And when they're, like, that little, those first couple of days, like, there's nothing anyone else can do. They, like, they just want the titty. Like, they, yeah. they just want it all. Like, they want skin to skin and to be held and breastfeed. And I, I remember Darren feeling a very similar, like, feeling, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, wanting oh, to do it and, like, unable i'm like just trying so hard to settle our baby i'm like just give him here i've got a nipple yeah. available yeah um so then yeah i came back down from surgery and the midwife was like do you want to do some skin to skin and i was like oh my god like yes i was just dying to do that um so i think daniel because i was still in my bed because obviously i'd had the epidural so i was completely numb so daniel got the double bed to himself that night and I was still in my bed. Um, so I just said to Daniel, I was like, look, you go to sleep and I'll wake you up if I need you. So he rolled over, went to bed, and I just laid there with Oakley on my chest just in, like, the biggest love bubble um, and just in so much awe of this little child. Um, and so I think I cuddled with him till about 3 a.m., and the midwives were coming in every hour to obviously check my obs and my pain and everything like that. Um, so I wasn't getting much sleep anyway with them coming in. Um, and Oakley stayed asleep the whole time on my chest. And then I think at four o'clock I put him back in the bassinet next to me. And I still, I don't even know why I put him down because I couldn't even sleep then. I was like, oh, I'll just try and get like an hour of sleep. But I was just running on adrenaline still. 
um, on the biggest high that I just laid there staring at him. Mm. And then I kind of started to double guess his name. (laughs) (laughs) And that was thanks to my dad because when we called dad when we're in the birthing suite before I went for surgery and I said, he's here and dad's like, what's his name? And I said, Oakley John. And I thought he'd be chuffed because my dad's name is John. Mm. So Oakley's middle name is after my dad. And I remember him saying, Oakley, what kind of name's Oakley? (laughs) Dad. (laughs) Now he loves it. Yeah. (laughs) But I was laying there and then I was like, shit, do I like Oakley? Like, is he an Oakley? Is that... And then I was like, oh, my God, get out of your head. Like, that's why you don't tell people what you're naming your child so you can't get yeah. talked out. Yeah. <laughs> can't talk, get talked out of it. But now I can't picture him as being anything but Oakley. Yeah. Um, and then it got to the next morning and Daniel woke up and I still was quite numb. Um, so Daniel had to get Oakley out Um Daniel really had to sort of do a lot those first few days and I was originally booked in to have a three-night stay in the hospital Um, but after my tear I ended up having to stay in there for five nights Mm. Um, and for the first 48 hours I wasn't allowed to eat Wow! because they didn't want me passing bowel movements. Um, So that sucked especially because Daniel since we went private he was checked in as a patient as well so he was getting all the food yeah (laughs) and the food there was just amazing and he's getting all this food and I'm on a liquid only diet (laughs) (laughs) starving too just after so I was getting like it was like when you get chicken noodles and it's like the leftover water yeah like not even the good noodle part yeah that's what it was and by I think like the second day I was like can I have more of this <laughs> I was like I need something like give me something give me the noodle water um and then I remember the second night was really hard um which the midwives did warn us about that because they're like you know Oakley's probably going to cluster feed um because I did have the surgery and wasn't eating my milk took forever to come in Mm. um so and he just wasn't like we weren't really getting the whole latch thing um so that was hard but again it was very lucky that I had that colostrum so I was feeding him that and then I was also like hand expressing so I was able to get more and to try and stimulate like my boobs to get the milk coming in um but, yeah, just because of all the antibiotics and painkillers and everything I was on it, yeah, my milk didn't come in till the night we got home from the hospital, so night five I think it was. Yeah. Um, and people like, you know, I had a, like a very different birth, like a unmedicated birth in hospital yeah. and my milk didn't come in for five days either. Yeah. Like, you know, like a... I've mentioned that to a few girls and I'm like, you know, it just comes in sort of when it when it will come in. But they get what they need from from the colostrum. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I just remember, like, I think I was also stressed too in hospital because I was trying so hard and they had the lactation consultant that was coming around trying to help me 
And I think I just felt so much pressure on trying to get him to latch that I was stressed and he was sensing that. And then once we were at home, it just kind of naturally happened and I was able to breastfeed, mm. um, which I'm really grateful for because that's something I obviously wanted to do. Um, but I think because we were giving him the bottle with the colostrum in the hospital, he also got used to the tea of the bottle. So he was quite good at taking either um, in the end. Um, which How long good. did you breastfeed for? Um, I breastfed for 12 months. Oh, that's amazing. And how yeah. how did he go, like, with your weaning process? Was it, like, a decision he made or did you make the decision? Um, unfortunately, my marriage broke down and mm -hmm. it happened just after Oakley turned one and from the stress that I went through with that, um, my milk kind of just dried up. Yeah. Um, and because Oakley was already used to the bottle, he didn't really care either way. As long as he was getting fed, he didn't mm. care how he was getting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, sorry, go on. Um, and then the only other thing that really kind of happened in hospital was Oakley got a bit of jaundice. Um, so the last night we were in hospital, they checked his jaundice levels and they were borderline where they were worried that they were going to have to put him in the special care nursery for a night on the little UV. Yeah, like the UV light. There. Yeah, yeah the UV thing. light there. Yeah. Um, so that night they actually suggested if I wanted to put him on a UV blanket in our room. Um, so we went to the special care nursery and the midwife there showed us how to set that up and we plugged that all into his little bassinet and took him back to the room and had him on that for the night and that helped with his levels. Um, but I think that was also because I felt so much stress trying to put him on the boob and he obviously wasn't getting enough on the boob and we weren't giving him enough manually, like through the bottle, that that's what probably got the jaundice levels. Mm to go borderline where they were a bit worried because then once we started giving him what was recommended milk-wise, um, he was fine um, and those levels came back to normal levels which they weren't concerned about um, and, yeah. Then you were, like, then what happened when you took him home? What was, like, that feeling of settling in our home? So the first night at home we didn't get home till about 5 p.m we stayed in hospital all day because my obstetrician was like you know you've paid for the day so don't get up and leave at 10 a.m she's like you stay till 6 p.m 7 p.m if you want um so we didn't leave till about 4 p.m we just took our time they showed us how to bath him and then we got home and then as soon as I got home I just was, I think that's like the night the baby blues hit me because mm. I was inconsolable. I was on the toilet, obviously down there, didn't feel, feel very good. I got a mirror out to have a look, worse than I could have done. Um, 
and I was just inconsolable. I think I really started to grieve to the birth that I did have. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I did have to leave Oakley for those four hours to go and have surgery. And, yeah, it was a horrible night. It was also the night my milk came in, so that probably didn't help. Yeah, everything um, just smashed up yeah. at once. Oh, it did. Like, my boobs, I was like, oh, my God, like, what is this? Mm. Like, this feels horrible. I don't know if I've got something wrong. Oh, <laughs> and then girl, I, remember I know Daniel, that feeling. Oh, it was awful. And I remember mm. Daniel sitting on the couch and he actually started to cry because he felt so hopeless. He wanted to help, but there was nothing he could really do to help. Um, so, yeah, it was just horrible. It was I could hardly walk. Sitting was very uncomfortable because um, obviously in the hospital you've got the bed where you can control and you can mm. bend your legs and I had myself in the weirdest position just so I sort of wasn't putting a lot of pressure on my bum. Um, but obviously when you get home you don't have that luxury of that bed. <laughs> yeah. Because um, how so many yeah. stitches did you end up getting? Maybe two. Oh, it was something like 18 or 20. It was a lot. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, not a good night. How do you feel like your recovery was with the tear? Like how long did you feel it took until um, you started to feel better? It probably took oh, a, f a couple of months, um, like for the first three months, I was having weekly checkups, mm -hmm. um, alternating between my obstetrician and the surgeon. Um, and so that was, he was born the 2nd of November. So I think I got the all clear like mid-February. Um so that was hard because obviously, like, it was the summer, Christmas period. I wasn't allowed to swim. I was having to have salt baths every morning and night. Um, it was, yeah, I was having to take laxatives because I wasn't allowed to do a solid poo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it took a while, but it probably after, like, maybe two months I started to feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but... Did you see a pelvic floor physio? I did, but I didn't see her until I was about six months postpartum, mm. um, which I probably should have gone to see earlier. I think I put that off because I was so nervous as to how that was all going to go and look and I was like, I'm just going to tell me I've got this wrong and I've got to do this, this, and yeah. this. But after I told her what I'd been through and then she did the check, she's like, I'm actually, like, you've actually recovered really well, um, which was good. Um, Who did you go and it, see? Um, Sarah. Sarah. Uh, I thought it was Sarah yes. from Female Physio Co. Hey? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I recommended her. Sarah is for any of the people listening, she came on on episode one. She's got a really good episode on um, pelvic floor health if you want to go back and listen to that. But, yeah, she's a great pelvic floor physio. Yeah, she was amazing. Um, 
So, yeah, it definitely wasn't as daunting as I first thought it was going to be. So highly recommend, ladies, don't put it off. Yeah. <laughs> Even um, if you're pregnant, go and see them. I seen yes. Sarah when I was pregnant. She was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I remember at my – it was two weeks after – Oakley was born so we'd been out of hospital for a week and I'd had my first at-home midwife checkup um and Daniel had taken the day off work because I was like I don't really know what this appointment like this home checkup is all about so he's like oh look I'll just take the day off and whatever so he took the day off and the midwife came and literally just weighed Oakley checked his jaundice and I was like yeah he's all good I was like okay sweet (laughs) um and then I said to Daniel, I was like, oh, well, since you're home, why don't we go to Pack Fair? I need to get a few things. And we hadn't really ventured out much. Because... Pack Fair is a shopping centre on the Gold Coast for anyone wondering. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, so we decided to get out because we hadn't really done much because I was very limited as to what I could do in my walk-in and everything like that. Um, so we went to go to Pacific Fair to have some lunch and just get grab a few things that I needed. And we got to Pacific Fair and I started having these chest pains. And I was like, oh, these don't feel very good. And by the time we got to Pacific Fair, I said to Daniel, I said, I think you're just going to have to run down to the chemist, grab what I need you to grab for me, and maybe we're going to have to go to the hospital because something doesn't feel very right. So he's like, all right. So I stayed in the car with Oakley. He ran down to the chemist and then they got really bad, these chest pains. I ended up calling him and was like, if you haven't got what I've asked you to get, like, just forget it. Get back to the car now. Um, I thought I was having a heart attack. It was just the worst feeling ever. So Daniel raced back up, got in the car, we started to drive to Rabina Hospital because that was the closest hospital that we could get to. And we got halfway there and I said to Daniel, I said, I think you're going to have to call an ambulance. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So he was on the phone to the ambulance. They asked us to pull over on the side of the road. I was just in tears and I think I was working myself up more as well. Mm. Um, obviously with these chest pains. I started to panic and I was like, oh, my God, what if I'm having a heart attack? Like, I've just got this newborn baby. Like, this can't be happening. Um, and we don't have a very good heart history on my dad's side of the family. So that was just going through my head. Um, and the ambulance met us on the side of the road. And I think once they got there, I kind of calmed down a bit and they hooked me up to the ECG machine and everything they're like okay well whatever this is it's not a heart heart attack so and I think that kind of made me like relax a little bit and they're like okay we're going to take you to hospital um so again poor Daniel was left with Oakley while I've <laughs> been taken off in the ambulance to the hospital um and Daniel went home and I was like well I don't know how long we're going to be at hospital go home grab some colostrum out of the fridge grab some bottles some nappies, whatever we need to grab for Oakley, grab my pump and I'll meet you at the hospital. So he went home and grabbed what he had to grab for me and Oakley and I went in the ambulance to the hospital and 
at the time, I think I just was so blasé. I should have asked them to take me back to Gold Coast Private because that's obviously where I'd birth. They knew everything, but they just took me straight to Gold Coast University Hospital. Yeah. Um, and a rid- when we first got there, they were actually going to take me to the COVID ward because it was chest pains and it was still kind of when COVID was happening. Mm. Um and I actually used to work with the nurse that was on the counter checking me in at emergency. And I said to her, I said, my husband's about to come with my newborn. Because she's like, what are you doing here? You just had a baby. I was like, yeah, I know. I said, my husband's about to come with him. I said, are they going to be allowed in? She's like, oh, not if we take you to the COVID ward. Like, no one will be allowed to come in. And I said, it's not COVID. I said, I don't know what it is, but it's definitely not COVID. She's like, let me see what I can do. So she actually worked a magic and I was able to stay in the emergency department so Daniel could bring O'Clean. That's great. Um, so, yeah, that was amazing. And then they sort of started to do some checks, um, did an X-ray, nothing showed up on the X-ray. Um, then they took me for a CT scan which meant I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed for I think it was something like six or eight hours. Um, So I just had to pump and dump, which sucked. Mm. (laughs) Um, But I was, yeah, lucky that I had built up a little bit of a stash of milk already. Um, So I wasn't too concerned. I was like, at least I'm Oakley still going to get my milk. Yeah. so Daniel was just feeding him the bottles and I was just pumping so my milk supply stayed up. Did a CT scan. That didn't really show anything. So then they're like, look, we want to take you for an MRI. And by this stage it was quite late at night. But So they couldn't take me for an MRI until the next morning. Um, so I had to stay in hospital for the night. So they put me up to a ward and thankfully Daniel and Oakley were allowed to stay with me. Um, which Daniel probably would have hated because he was just on a chair for the night. Yeah, he's used to the private luxury double bed. (laughs) Bougie, bougie private hospital room. He's like, this is bullshit. Yeah, he didn't get fed nothing. So he was just like, what is this? But, yeah, I was really grateful they were able to stay with me and then the next day they took forever to take me down for MRI and I was like, and by this stage the chest pains, like I still had them but they were nowhere near as intense as what they were when I was in the car. Mm. It kind of was like every time I took a breath in, like it was this really sharp pain so I was only taking really shallow breaths because I was kind of too scared to take too deep a breath. Um so they took forever and I ended up saying, got one of the nurses came in at, I think it was like 1pm in the afternoon and I said, if I don't get taken for my MRI in the next hour, I said, give me the papers and I will check myself out because at the moment I'm obviously not too much of a concern because she's letting me just lay here. I've got this two-week-old baby I don't really want to be in the hospital for longer than what I need to be. Um, and I kind of said to Daniel, I said, look, if we check ourselves out, we can go across to the private and they'll take me straight up to the maternity ward and I'll get seen there. Um, and that's not normally like me. Normally I, like, will bite my tongue 
Mm. But I'm glad I said something because literally within 20 minutes I was getting taken for my MRI. <laughs> um, got taken for my MRI and then I had to wait for the results and then the doctor came in and saw me about an hour after my MRI and was like, look, you've got a small blood clot in your lung and a collapsed lung. Shit. And I was like, oh, okay, like that doesn't sound very good. Um, and then I was able to go home. They gave me this little breathing device and it was like it's got three balls and you're yeah. stuck on it mm. and the idea is to try and get all three balls up. Um, and he originally gave it and he's like, all right, just give it a test. So I did it and they did not move at all. And he's like, well, maybe I've given you a broken one. So then Daniel tried it and all three balls went up. But that's just obviously how weak my lungs were. So I had to, I think, every two or three hours, I had to do that for five minutes to build my lung strength back up. How did it happen? Um, they believe it was from surgery. Normally with a collapsed lung, they say that it happens like, from surgery especially if you're not getting up and doing much and because i literally had spent the last two weeks pretty much laying couch, down. yeah not moving i obviously wasn't using my lungs to their full capacity without even realizing it um and then you and were like the first day you got up out and about is about, what happened yeah yeah so obviously yeah i overworked my body and is there any treatment no Just so breathing. It was Practice. just the breathing thing they did um, and then I had to do a checkup with a doctor a couple of months ago just to check the blood clot that was in my lung um, but they said it was so little that it wasn't of concern because um, obviously that can be quite a serious one too. Mm. Um but, no, they were happy with how everything looked. So I think with the blood clot side of things, one person said, yes, I can see something small there, and another person was like, I can't. Yeah. So it was, like, a bit like, well, what one's right, what one's not. Mm. <laughs> what one's not kind of thing. So, like, obviously when you got home, um, how was the rest of your postpartum period? Um, besides, obviously the healing for my tear, it was pretty good. Um, like my boobs kind of settled down a bit. They leaked like no tomorrow. Oh my, I just felt like a cow for those first few months. Like I'd get out of the shower and I'd just be like, what is this? Just start spraying. <laughs> um, but no, otherwise, and I had such amazing support around me, like mum would come up and do housework for me and meal prep and do the groceries and I had heaps of friends that would come over and drop off food. Um, so That's amazing. Yeah, I had such an amazing support system, which I think is such a huge thing, which you definitely take for granted. And I didn't realise it until I had my own baby how helpful it is to have someone come over and cook a meal for you or, you know, vacuum and mop your floors. Like it's just little things that you wouldn't even think of that actually mean the most. Like Yeah. And don't take give it. Your mum's presents, give them food, like cooked and meals. Services. Like yeah. your own services. Go and do their washing. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a new mum, don't say no. Accept the help. Yeah. Because people want to do it for you. So yes. Um, and it's definitely nice when friends come over and 
you know, get a few things done around the house and then hold your baby, let you go for a shower or, you know, it's a massive, massive thing when you, that those early stages, just those little things feel so good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've got a few questions. So yeah. I'm actually really wanting to know this one. <laughs> yeah. What was the overall cost for you to birth your baby? Um, it was probably around 20000 maybe a little bit more. Yeah, so that was that, just for the hospital? No, so that was including like my NIP tests, my scans, my hospital fee, my obstetrician fee, the surgery afterwards. Obviously, that was an unexpected cost mm. that I had to put into it. Um, so I think the surgery was almost 3000 um, from my tear. And then I obviously had to stay extra nights in hospital. So I think that was another $1,000 each night extra I stayed in hospital. Um, that also covered the epidural, paediatrician, hypnobirthing. So co covering everything, yeah, probably 20 grand just yeah. a bit over. Yeah. But in um, saying that, I would spend it all over again for the care that I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I've seen a – I saw a picture of your um, birthing room and, like, your room. It was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. And we had, like, a celebratory dinner. So on our last night in hospital, they did this dinner. We got a cocktail and beer and dessert. And it was just, yeah, incredible. I mean, not that that's worth that much money. Yeah. But, uh, it was <laughs> – it was, yeah, just like the little things and you got like a little platter board, like of congratulations, but they held ours off. They normally give it to you when you get back into the birthing suite the next day, I mean the maternity ward the next day. But because obviously I wasn't allowed to eat, they held off on bringing that in so Daniel didn't just get to pick at it. <laughs> yeah, they seem very considerate there. So yeah. Oh, they were like. The midwives there cannot fault them. Like every single one, they'll come in, checking on me. Like just went above and beyond. That's awesome. And what was the hospital called again? Um, Gold Coast Private Hospital. Gold Coast Private Hospital. I think you're the first person on that's gone to that hospital. So. Oh really? Yeah. Um. And the next question: If you could give one piece of advice to a mum about to embark on this journey, what would it be? Um enjoy it honestly time goes by way too fast and just remember that whatever you're going through it doesn't last and it will pass because I just remember like those early days all Oakley wanted was contact nap like he would love to just snuggle right into me it's how we would sleep all day pretty much and I remember mum's like oh you're gonna spoil him but there's no such thing as I think spoiling a baby and I look back now and I think to myself because now he's he's a cuddler but you know he will cuddle and then he's like all right I'm done let me go let me go like explore mm. play and it's just like oh my god like I'm so glad I didn't take those cuddles for granted um because yeah they don't last no, and you, you really, <laughs> you, you really do, don't you? And you're probably like me because Oakley's just a few weeks ahead of um, Jimmy. Um, 
so I'm getting all of the like year later memories from like my Snapchat sending to friends and you know oh. anything. And I'm like, ah, how is he that little? Like the what? When where has that time gone? Like oh, it's it just... does. It just goes so fast. And I remember like the first six months, Oakley wasn't the best sleeper. He woke up maybe like three or four times during the night. And it wasn't until we put him into his own room that he started sleeping through the night. Um, but now, like, I want him to come and snuggle me in bed for a little bit and he just doesn't want to bath it. And I'm like, oh, oh. same. <laughs> I try to get him to come cuddle me and he won't. I'm I like, know. come on. Babies love to go sleep. No, yeah. it's his own bed. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, As, <laughs> even though when you're in it, it's hard and it is hard, but just know, like, it will pass and you will miss it surprisingly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, what's your favourite product or purchase that you think was worth the money and you'd recommend? Oh, um, I got a, oh, I got a couple. Definitely my Connie baby carrier. Um, it was just really breathable material um, and because Oakley was born in summer, um, so that was handy to have and because he was such a wanted-to-be-held-all-the-time baby, it just meant I could actually get things done while having him on my chest. Mm. Um, it was just super comfy, like wasn't bulky, just kind of was like a T-shirt really. Um, so definitely recommend that if you've got a baby that loves the contact. And then given obviously what I went through with my tear, um, the ice and heat packs that you can get for down there. Yeah. Um, those postpartum perineal ice pack things. I can't remember what brand I got, but. Which I'm totally going to plug here. That's coming to the Maiden to Mother website shortly. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. That, that was a godsend for me, especially because down there, like, it was throbbing, it hurt. So having like that ice, it was just like, oh, yes. mm. it was heaven. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your beautiful story, Ellie. I've heard it before, but not in that much detail. So I really loved hearing it. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Another great episode. Thank you so much, Ali, for coming on and sharing your journey from maiden to mother. I see you with Oakley and I just think you are the most beautiful and attentive mum. So well done. Thanks so much for tuning in another episode, guys. And I wanted to let you all know that the Maiden to Mother Journey website is now live. So you can jump on there, check out the postpartum recovery packs or the pregnancy and birth preparation packs. Those ice packs that Ali mentioned is a part of our postpartum recovery pack. So you can head over to www.themaidentomotherjourney.com and check it out, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time on the show. The information and opinions presented in this podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. While I may discuss pregnancy, birth and postpartum topics, I'm not a medical professional and the information provided should not be construed as medical advice. I strongly encourage my listeners to consult with their own healthcare provider before making any changes in your pregnancy and birth journey based on the information you hear on this podcast or elsewhere. 
Remember that information provided in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any health concerns or questions, please seek the guidance of a licensed medical professional. Thanks for listening. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm.